Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the her in imposter. Duh. Duh. Obviously. It's right there. It's in, it's in the word, you guys. <laughs> my name is Summer Yeager, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. Co-host. I've been doing that all day. Co-host. It's like I start saying a word, and then my brain's like, say that part of the word again. <laughs> Say it twice. It's like skipping. Is I that, do, yeah. It's like skip. Right. It's like the little rainbow yeah. wheels going. Yeah. <laughs> Summer Jaeger. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. And Joy, I just want you to know that if a fake Joy showed up here and was like, hey, I'm your beautiful co-host Joy, <laughs> I would totally know that she was fake. Oh. I would have no problem knowing. Because you would never say, hey, I'm your, hey, I'm your beautiful co-host Joy. <laughs> They need to make a movie of that. You know, like in all the imposter movies, uh-huh. it's like a really good fake. Yeah. They need to make one where it's just tragically like, bad. O- obviously right. bad fake. Yeah, they never do it that way. Like though. someone says something funny and the imposter's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> right. Just really bad. It, yeah. Everything along the way. But if they made a movie where the imposters were bad, I feel like there'd be no plot. Right. <laughs> Cause it's like, well, I know you're fake. It would just be like a, like a, like tomfoolery, like a road trip or something. Your vocabulary lately, I just like it. <laughs> it's good. Remember Wowie Zowie? Yeah. Does anybody out there remember Wowie Zowie? Cause that's, that's an old one. I do still say that. <laughs> um, but you're right. I am Joy and I'm here with my beautiful co-host Summer and... One day, Summer, I would like to change faces with you <laughs> as a part of some kind of plot. <laughs> like in Face Off? Yes. Okay. That's the one. What a great 1999 film. I know. I feel like... I don't know what year it was, really. I feel like the concept of that movie mm-hmm. would have only worked in the 90s. It would have only worked. <laughs> like, I seriously hope it was a, a 1999 film. Right. Like, I... They should be happy they came up with that idea when they when did. When they did. Because if it had been just a few years later, people would have been like, no. Mm, this is dumb. No. We're too evolved for that. <laughs> I don't believe in that. I actually really liked that movie, and I can't stand Nick Cage. I know. Also, I was like 14, so what did <laughs> right? I know? Yeah, I really like that movie, but as I say that, I remember... <laughs> How horrible it was. How much I don't remember of that movie. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. I'm I don't pretty remember. sure there's a lot. And I don't even know. This is not an endorsement of Face Off because <laughs> I'm sure I saw a TV version. Right. And so I don't even know what's in there. Mm-mm. We're not saying go watch Face Off. All I'm saying is uh, one day I want to change faces with Summer. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Everyone calm down. <laughs> it, we're alone right now. It's just me and you. That's it. Um, yeah, so if you couldn't tell, we're talking about fakes today. Mm-hmm. Not really fakes. No. Fakeness could be a great topic yeah. for a show. Right. Um, but this is my idea. Like, I don't know. I brought this up to you a while ago, but I saw these articles. 
getting shared about something called imposter syndrome. And I just felt like it was such a racket that I wanted to find out what that meant. And then Mm -hmm. I read about imposter syndrome and I was like, oh my goodness, this is the human condition. Right. Let's talk about it because this is something that we all have to deal with. So how do we deal with this? And well, like how do we deal with it? Well, (laughs) and And well, well. (laughs) how do we deal with this? Well, Lee, you know, (laughs) it's really what we're trying to answer today. Right. Let's do it real greatly. Like, (laughs) um, so anyway, you guys, if nobody's heard of imposter syndrome, they're like, why would I stick around for this? Why? Because this is totally about you. Right. Um, well, and like the implications of imposter syndrome, like mm-hmm. that, those exact two words yeah. are, there are implications. Like yeah. Important ones. Right. So imposter syndrome is, I guess, classically defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. Quote, imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of of success or external proof of their competence. Right. And it's basically like when you feel your successes are undeserved. Right. And then you also feel like you're tricking other people into... Right. Like, you... So you feel like your, so you may feel like your accomplishments are only due to like manipulation or luck. Right. And so you, but nobody else knows that. Right. So you like have to keep it a secret. Right. So then I saw these people and they're like, yeah, this is totally me. I have this. And I'm reading it like, wait a minute. Right. Don't we all do think that in like some way or another? Right. Um, persistent the answer is yes in inadequacy like characterized by anxiety perfectionism self-doubt and fear of failure does that not sound like anyone you know (laughs) right right so i guess the whole you said that there there's like an actual imposter psychological except for that so the the name imposter syndrome wouldn't that there's like a version of it that would be real but it would be like a delusional disorder where you thought you were someone different or you thought other people were someone different than <laughs> that they were. That is so much more interesting. Can right. You, wait, explain that. Like it would basically, there are people who think who um, like there are uh, people who wake up and I mean it's not as simple as just waking up one day. Sure. There's a process. Sure. But how it, it could appear as though someone would wake up and they'd be like that looks like my husband but it's not him. It's where you th- think other people are fakes. Right. That sounds like a horrifying thing. Oh yeah that would be believe. terrifying. But it would be like a delusion and it would be you could diagnose it and things right. like that. Well, so this is how imposter syndrome is, syndrome is different. Um, it's not accepted as a disorder or syndrome. In fact, um, Dr. Pauline Clance, who originally made this imposter syndrome assessment, she, uh, she reflected on this article where the words imposter syndrome appeared for the first time. And she said, if I could do it all over again, I would call it the imposter experience because it's not a syndrome or a complex or a mental illness. It's something almost everyone experiences. Yeah, it's the human experience. Right. Most of us at some point will feel like we're inadequate. Like people just don't understand. Like they think that we're good at something, but we don't think we really are. 
Right. Stuff like that. Like, right. That's pretty normal. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. If this is if this was really a syndrome complex or mental illness, I would have it for sure. Right. But it's not. <laughs> right. So the primary issue that I have with it is that um, if you look at this at all mm-hmm. on the Internet, mm-hmm. I mean, there's articles, there's TED Talks, there's yeah. all this stuff. And so um, it's pretty undeniable that the world has pathologized this thing that's not that isn't that when you say pathologized what do you mean so um you're turning it into you're turning it into a disorder whether it is or not so pathologized would refer to um being an actual germ virus right complex syndrome right actually it's actually it's it's pathological. So if you think of like a pathogen, airborne right. pathogen, um, so it's a sin you're in, it's not a sin you're engaging in. It's a it's a problem. It's that's like inborn. a disorder, it's right? A disorder that or, you right. don't really have control over, right? So yeah, for example, a delusional disorder like that would be correctly pathologized. Like yeah. the delusional disorder I described earlier would be that's a pathology like right. that it actually it has a name there are specific symptoms of it right um and in order to actually have it yeah you need to go somewhere and be diagnosed, diagnosed with, it, with it and probably not in one day right will that happen right um so you so yeah what i mean by pathologize is that you're turning it into a disease when it's not right um there's if anything it's more of a social social observation that was right. made and then it was given this name right and even as she said she would have preferred if she hadn't called it a syndrome because that's being taken that's that is assisted in pathologizing it right even though she didn't believe that, that it, it was, was an a, actual illness right um it's an ex- it's something we all experience right um and so we do this all the time. Why is it something we all experience? Well, so it's sin. Right. Um, and I think that the real problem I have with it is that anytime you're pathologizing your sin, yeah, what you're attempting to do is have as little control over it as possible. Right. As um, little responsibility right. for it as yeah. possible, too. So, like, if you can't control it, there's nothing you can do about it. And that you're allows us to protect our sin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but what is the sin? Okay. What would you say it is? So we did talk about this. You and I both picked up on this, but we talked about our, um, we talked about this on our episode about like self image and self esteem and yeah. um, all that stuff. So there, there is absolutely a line where anxiety, perfectionism, self doubt and fear of failure become idolatrous. Yeah. Especially. Yep. Uh, so, um, especially when you refuse to repent of it, Yes. when we, so we have, Mm. we have made the idea of anxiety, uh, we've pathologized anxiety, commenting. I'm not saying that there isn't legitimate. That's not this episode. This episode is (laughs) not, is there a legitimate (laughs) mental illness or not? Right. Um, but we've pathologized common human emotions that, that are the result of believing a lie about God or yourself mm-hmm. 
And by doing that, we've like, we've made them mainstream. Yes. Like it's normal. Yes. And so there, if it's normal, there's no need to confront it. Right. Because it is how it's the way that I am. Right. So that's like, we also talked about that a little bit in our episode about being stressed out. Like, like it's like normal now. It's okay to just be stressed out all the time. And it's like, well, are you really stressed out or or is your heart disordered? Right. Like if you are stressed out in every scenario every day and your life is characterized by constant chaos and anxiety, um, is your heart in order? (laughs) Right. Um, And so we we talked about that a little bit, but it's like we have mainstreamed that. It's kind of like a respectable sin you know, obviously there are situations in your life that are stressful and feeling stress isn't necessarily a sin. Right. The point is if your life is characterized by always being stressed out, there's got to be an underlying issue there um, because our Lord has told us to cast our cares upon him, to not be anxious, all of these things. Um, And so it does seem to me like this, I'm never good enough posture is a form of legalism Mm -hmm. um, and pride. So essentially like uh, you have to feel good about yourself because of what you do is what you're saying. Right. So like I can't, I've done this thing, but it really can't be good enough. Um, Part of me wonders if it really has something to do with pride. Like we need to feel better than we are. We need to esteem ourselves as more than we are. Uh, we need to reach a certain level in order to gain the respect we think we need. Right. Um, and then that's paired with fear that we're never measuring up, which is, I mean, that's pride. Yeah. But it's, I mean, there's conceit Yeah. in there. And mm-hmm. also um, it, it, uh, it ignores what we are supposed to be achieving here right on this earth right like what is our purpose here right so the world would tell you that um low self-image equals low self-actualized so the more you can know uh, the more you find out what you feel and why you feel it it makes you more of a whole discovered person which is because we are the God yeah, of today. Everything is about discovering right. you and yourself. Right. And yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I, the cure, like the cure to self doubt and self esteem and all these mm-hmm. things isn't feeling better right. or more confident about yourself. It's right. being more confident in Christ because, you know, the gospel ultimately tells us, um, like I wrote down Isaiah 64, six, uh, describes our condition we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. And so it's like, well, in this world where we need to, we're constantly told we need to think better of ourselves and feel better about ourselves. Like scripture tells us like we all, we all fade away like a leaf. Our, all of our, all of our deeds are a polluted garment. Right. Like, so if you're worried about how you measure up, like go ahead and just know 
you don't. Right. But through Christ, that's that's the gospel is that you are so wretched. There's nothing that you could do. Right. Um, and you might be able to get the applause of men during your life and you might be able to achieve great things. But you're standing before God is still as that's, a polluted garment right. without that's, Christ. It's not going to mean a thing right. before a holy God. <laughs> right. Like how how confident you felt in yourself and how confident others felt in your abilities yes. will do nothing. Right. It doesn't cover any sins or anything. Right. And so freedom from this need to measure up, this insecurity, this self-doubt starts with accepting how wretched you are Right. In order that you can see how badly you need the one who was perfect. Right. Which is Christ. Yeah. And that's going to free you because right. you're not going to spend your time trying to measure up or make yourself feel better about yourself. Because like we said in the episode on self-esteem, the the end road of self-esteem is is despair. Right. Because you are wretched. Right. Well, and that's that's why we wanted to talk about this it's generally the human experience and it is painful we're not so the reason i'm i've said everything i've said isn't to say like oh it's all fake it's not real get over yourself i already said if this was a legitimate disorder i would totally have it <laughs> right um and it's it's painful. It's not fun to feel anxious or feel like you're not measuring up or not doing things well. It's not fun to feel doubt and it's not fun to feel like you're failing no. at all. But the problem with that, the thing that needs to be cured in that mm -hmm. is not that you need to feel better. Right. And actually when you're trying to sanctify some of this stuff, you actually probably won't feel better for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it, it requires a renewal. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there are some, I think, especially some of these things. Um, what is wrong with my brain? You didn't have enough yerba. I didn't have any. That's oh, the problem. That is the problem. I have one in the fridge. Okay. So Go some of these, <laughs> these are very, they, these are very like deep things that we struggle with. Yeah. Um, but because they're viewed as like a little bit more respectable, mm -hmm. they can be really hard. Like the yeah. struggle is definitely real there um because you're dealing with just like day-to-day -day thoughts yeah and having to like renew how you think yes about that and and there there are some lies we tell ourselves about god that are harder to combat with truth yes. than others just because of how long we've been lying to ourselves about that yes. thing yes that is so true i wanted to bring up that reminds me how important it is you know so a lot of times while we're worrying about whether or not we're doing a good enough job or if we measure up, we're actually missing out on asking how we can glorify God in this thing. Because ultimately, right. if your number one concern is how am I measuring up, right. your number one concern isn't how well am I serving God in this. But we all do it. We're all like, you know, you know how all of us sometimes we're just really bad at receiving compliments. Like someone will tell you, oh, oh yeah. you're really good at that thing. And you're just like, no, 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 I'm not. No, I don't accept that. Right. Um, and I do that all the time with things. But the point is, is that we should be aware of how much we are talking to ourselves or listening to ourselves. Right. Because yourself is a liar. Your heart is deceitful and wicked. So 
what you need to be doing is preaching the gospel to yourself all the time instead of listening to yourself. Because if you get stuck in this pattern of listening to yourself, and I can only tell you this from experience, right. <laughs> um, you're going to be listening to a lot of lies right. and, and wickedness and deceitfulness. And if you're not in the habit of preaching the gospel to yourself in those moments, you're going to get stuck in a downward spiral further and further away from right. that renewal of your mind that you were talking about right. that's so important. Yeah. Well, and so in the clinical world, this isn't recognized as anything. Okay. That's why like, I, I think experience is a great, it's a much more appropriate term for it. But if if in the cl- clinical realm, um, someone came to their psychologist with this experience, uh-huh. um, they would, like their response to it is talk therapy and retraining your brain the way you think right so that's exactly what we're saying right um this is even the response to this even in the secular world is to retrain the way you think now Uh they're not going to do it properly right uh which is why i chose to use the word renewal when in in reference to uh, what we're recommending versus retraining yeah um yeah because there definitely is a difference so if if the response to this experience is no matter what across the board to uh, renew your mind, essentially, yeah, we need to be doing that with the Bible, yeah, of course, that we know that that's the only thing that's actually going to help, especially with these um, sort of like deep-seated, painful feelings that we have, yeah. Um, or another thing that's very common when in sin that's pathologized. So sin that's turned into like some sort of disorder. Something you're not responsible for. A lot of times when we pathologize our sin, we're not wanting to deal with it. Right. Um, so I've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a part of us that does love to also feel all these things despite right. how painful they are because yep. we can still have them. Yep. Um, it's hard to kill your sin. <laughs> right. And when it's not something you have to kill, well, then you're not, you don't have to do something difficult. Right. And it's, especially if it's like internal. Right. And so first of all, you could go your whole life without really expressing to anyone that you feel this way. Yep. Um, And then also if it's a disorder, then you, you just have less control over it. But I want to make it clear that that's not what imposter syndrome is or ever was. Nope. So um, you'll see it's really a shame because in all the articles and TED Talks I mentioned, it's referred to in a pathological way. Yeah. Um, it's So right now the world, not surprisingly, <laughs> is, is they're saying, okay, look, everyone, you can learn more about yourself, your God, Get ready to shine your idols. Get ready to shine your golden statue of yourself. Yes. Um, here you are. You have this thing. <laughs> you have this thing. Right. You're unique and you're complex. Right. And you have this thing that makes you feel uh, fear of failure and self-doubt. And you're just neurotically perf- uh, 
neurotic perfectionist and no. you're anxious and That's all like this stuff. like in an interview when they're like, what's your flaw? And you're like, I work too hard. I work way too hard. I'm a little <laughs> bit of a perfectionist when it comes to things. What a lie. I know. I know. But so basically, not only should we not pathologize this because it's not one. Right. But... Right. The implications of doing that, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get into mental illness overall. Yeah. But we, you know, we already live, even just in general, we live in like a really pathologized society. Um, if you, you can go to, uh, like if you're still experiencing um, depression symptoms 14 days like after a massive trauma, like the death of a family member, mm-hmm. then 14 days after would be the time. Like it would be recommended by not necessarily like a specific psychologist, but that what is it? The APA, American Psychologist Association. Like that, yeah. The APA, like the recommendation would be to put them on an antidepressant when okay. they're 14 days from having lost a spouse. When we know that you really don't hit like the oh. ultimate peak of your grief for like six months. Right, right. And even then you have your year anniversaries, things like that. Right. Like, we've already we've already attempted to we solve. We just want to medicate right. our yeah. way out of everything. Right. So yeah. obviously we've sort of stabbed at why, at the reason why our society is doing that. But um, it's it's dangerous for more than you know just it's dangerous for more than society um it's dangerous to the individual um it's it will let you keep your sin yeah and you don't want it yeah i promise like you don't want it you don't want it um that's not you know i mean so what is it i'm totally blanking maybe first corinthians 10 uh, whatever you eat and drink, do it to oh. the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So that's not, that's in opposition to that. Um, sitting in your anxiety and your f- fear of failure and your self doubt, yeah. that is not doing that. Nope. Um, and there is a, I would venture to say that um, there is a lack of trust that God can heal you of things like anxiety or fear, fear of failure or self doubt. I've certainly been there. Yeah. And I mean, I wanted to point out too that this kind of goes back to what we talked about last week with whenever you read about something or hear about something, ask yourself what the foundational presuppositions are. Is this founded in scripture? Uh, Is this rooted in scripture? Is scripture, does scripture speak to this? What does scripture have to say to this? And is it feelings based? And so my concern is that are we as Christians equipped to listen to a TED talk on imposter syndrome and analyze it through the lens of scripture and say, well, this is what you're presupposing. This is, this is what scripture would say about this. Because you can hear the TED talk and go, oh, that's so me. But the reason it's so you is because it's a description of something that's sinful. Right. Can you pin down what the sin is? Can right. you drill down into that? And then what's the gospel answer for it? And the whole reason we would want to talk about it is because, well, we've both experienced this because it's sin. Right. And because we're sinners 
And because we have to battle it all the time. Right. Um, I mean, I think I, I could say I was guilty of it last week. Someone was like, oh, you know, you should do more of X, Y, Z. You're really good at it. And what was my knee jerk reaction? No, I'm not. You just think that. Right. Oh, yeah. It's I, pride. Right. It's all the time. Pride. It's all anxiety. The time. It's and it's something that you have to be able to speak the gospel to. Right. Instead of listening to and living out of. Right. And so like if you if you truly want to heal thoughts like that. Yeah. And keep yourself from having them. Yeah. First of all, it's to the glory of God. It's not right. just to feel better and feel right. relief from the symptoms that come from feeling things like that. That's right. Um, but if you, if you do want to do those things, you are going to have to confront all those lies with truth every time. And you're, you are going to think things that you're not gonna be able to catch every thought, No, but like it will, it will be, it will require, it will require, require, oh my gosh. I am doing the same thing. I don't know what's wrong what with me. What is it? Thing? Um, I'm doing in the, the water. same thing. I just said same weird. What? I'm saying words weird. What is happening? And then I forget I'm what I'm talking good about. I'm not enough for this podcasting I know. thing. Oh my gosh. They're going to find out that we don't <laughs> know what we're doing. Know that we are no good at this. <laughs> um, anyway, I forget what I was saying. Well, okay. Here's, here's my answer. Okay. And it's Paul's answer. He says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, brothers, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly and despised things of the world and the things that are not. So it kind it's like, here we are. This is kind of like goes back to what we were talking to last week about wisdom too. The world thinks it's wise. The world thinks you right. need to meet this certain standard. You think you have to meet the world standard ultimately. Right. But scripture's so freeing because it's like, hey, guess what? Here's God's standard. You don't meet it, but I'm going to send my son. He's going to meet the standard. He's going to do it perfectly for you. And you are lowly and humble but I'm only going to look at you through the lens of my son. Right. And I'm going to use you to bring about my glory. Right. Well, and I'm going to, and like the Holy spirit is going to sanctify you. Yes. Of thoughts. Yes. Like fear. Yes. And anxiety. And it's to his glory. Yeah. And for our good. Yeah. And I just love that. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Right. It's like God chose the foolish things of the world right. um, to shame the wise. So it's like we are here to shame worldly wisdom. Yeah. And we might look like fools in the process. Yeah. And like take heart in that, you know? Right. Like be encouraged by that. And um, it's just, it's freeing and I'm, I mean, I'm sure today I'm going to have to speak the gospel right. into this somewhere right. in my own life. But the point is, is that we need to be, um, we need to stop worrying so much about ourselves, how we appear, 
there's so much conversation right now about how we come across and how we sweep, right. how we seem and how we can be persuasive and how we can be friendly to this and friendly to that. And it's just like, that is not the show me a verse right? where that's what is required of us. Show me a verse where we're supposed to be persuasive more than we are supposed to speak authoritatively. Right. Show me a verse where we're supposed to appear a certain way to the world to bring them in, to make them hear us. Mm. The, the gospel is foolishness right. to the world. Yeah. And that's who you are. Right. That's what we are. We're foolishness to the world. Yeah. Don't try to be anything else because yeah. if you are, that's not what you've been called to do. Agreed. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, me too. I have a fun. Um, I have a fun question for you, though. I also have a. Fun you're gonna question be. For you. I don't think you're gonna like it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. You find a book. This is so fun. You okay. find a book and you begin to read, only to discover, it's your life. You get to the point that you are at right now. Do you turn the page knowing that you will not be able to change any of the events that are to come? Do you keep reading? Hmm. Mm. I think, and what I'll let you think about it. The reason I asked this is because I don't remember. I was playing some other hypothetical game, except it was a serious discussion. What just happened? The wires are lit. Okay. Oh, we're good. I was, I was, I kind of was having this discussion with my husband a little bit. I was like, I admitted that like not knowing the future, like if, if there was like one superpower I could have, like, I think that would be it because like, this is a, such a silly conversation, but whatever. We have weird conversations. This is just my life. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm like, you're on the, you're on the same page. (laughs) Oh yeah. Because like, that's the thing that give. that's the thing I have to work the hardest on is like trusting God because it's just like, I get annoyed not knowing how things are going to turn out. Right. Like I can trust that they're going to turn out well, but it's frustrating to me that I don't know how or when, like I want to know the how and the when and I get impatient. And so like, if I could know it would just be like how things are going to turn out. Right. So this hypothetical is really hard for me. Because I do think that ultimately I probably would not read it, but I would really, really, really want to. Right. In fact, I would probably read like one year into the future and then I'd super regret it and I wouldn't want to know the rest. Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't read it. No. I wouldn't read it. Um, How tempted to read it would you be? I would maybe read, I would maybe be tempted to read a few pages. But I wouldn't want to, it wouldn't be the same. It would be different. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like none of the events would change. Right. But it would change because this time you'd know it was coming. Right. So right. even if you couldn't do anything to change the series of events, it would be like throwing this wrench into the rest of your life. Right. And it'd probably be a really unenjoyable wrench. Right. But have you ever thought, I've thought about this quite a few times, 
what if you could go back knowing everything you know now Mm -hmm. and do high school over again? Like how different it would be. Oh, yeah. It would be radically different. Oh, Well, this is like the same thing applied. It's like, you know how everything is going to be. So it's going to be different. Right. Right. Yeah. If you have any knowledge of it, it It will affect your behavior for sure. So it's like impossible. But if it really didn't change anything, I still wouldn't. Right. Because, yeah, I don't know. I fear that I would like find a way to destroy things somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very possible. I have a question for you. I'm ready. I'm so ready. I need to find exactly how I worded it. Did I write it down? I don't know if I wrote it even. Story of my life. I don't know if I even wrote it down. Okay. (laughs) This has to do with my compliment. This was inspired by my compliment. Okay. If you had to be a Nicolas Cage character for the rest of your life, who would you be? Oh, no. I don't even know if I've seen enough Nick Cage movies. Just, it's only in the ones you've seen. Okay. What I have can I seen? give you like a few I've of his more well-known seen... ones. Okay. No, no. I have it. Okay. Wait. No, Left I Left behind? I was going to say I would the want. Crits. Like I would want. Ghost writer. I was going to say I would want to be in Left Behind because I'd get raptured and then I wouldn't have to be around Nick Cage anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because he gets Left Behind. That's the name of the movie. <laughs> right. Uh, Nick Cage. What have I seen? I've seen. I haven't seen Left Behind. I've seen Face Off. I didn't see National Treasure. Um, The Wicker Man. I didn't see Wicker Man. Matchstick Men. That's didn't sort of like Matchstick a con Men. movie. You're sort nope. of like a mastermind type. Nope. Um. The Family Man. Nope. Gone in 60 Seconds. Nope. Why haven't you seen Con Air? Nope. Why haven't you seen Con Air? Why? It's so cheesy you and good. You haven't seen Infinity War. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> it just came out. But the, like but, at least Con Air has been out okay, since. Okay, but it had the highest grossing opening of all time. So <laughs> more people have seen it than have seen Con Air. Oh, who cares? Guaranteed. Who cares? I care. I wonder sometimes if movie theaters will even exist like or if they'll just exist to show movies like that. I just read someone talking about how upset they are that like movie theaters are dying because nobody wants to go for the experience anymore. Right. You just come out for like the big films Mm -hmm. and then you wait until everything else is like available to rent. And I'm just like, you guys are really ableist because I have four kids, so I'm not super just like I can't go do. Yeah. You can't just be like. I think I'll see a movie in 15 minutes. Like you can't just judge everyone by your standard <laughs> of how often you should go to the movies. Right. What if you can't pay to go to a movie all the time? Right. I'm way too outraged for this discussion. I'm sorry. I'm going to think... ratchet it back a little bit. Okay. So which, okay, which character would you um, be? So you could even say like just based off of what you know about a movie. This is just so painful because like. Nick Cage is the last person I want to be. Right, but you have to be him in this hypothetical. Well, then I'd probably pick... Oh, no. That's Ben Stiller. I was going to say Night at the Museum. Because the (laughs) colors for the poster are pretty similar. If it was Ben Stiller, I'm pretty sure I'd pick Night Night at the the Museum. Museum, Easily. Okay, but so what about Nicolas Cage? Cage? Then National Treasure, because he saves America? (laughs) Is that what he does? I've never seen it. I don't know. I just love that that's, it's not like 
he's a treasure hunter and he's like <laughs> knows a lot about history because he saves America. Isn't that what he does? I don't think so. He saves the he like solves a puzzle. No one knows. Or something. He solves a puzzle? Yeah. That's boring. I mean like a really Oh, a really difficult puzzle. Right. Also and like boring. One where people are coming after you because they don't want you to solve the puzzle. I don't that's very it's kind of Sherlock. Actually, there should be um, a national treasure, like the fifth installment should just be him literally doing like a 600 piece puzzle. <laughs> Have they had four? It'll be an art film. Oh, I don't know if six oh, is even okay. the right I was like, number. Wait but... a minute. You're way too up on your Nick Cage movies. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what was the last movie he was in? What was his most recent film? Um... Nothing I've heard of. What is that? There's like some that are in pre-production. Oh. The Crudes too. Oh. Um, Looking Glass, Mandy, the Humanity Bureau. What happened? Sometimes I wonder Cage, if man. he just made all this up. The nineties were a good time. Uh-oh. Snowden. I didn't see that. Um, Left Behind was in 2014. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I purposely would never watch that. I didn't watch it. I mean, I would be the rapture is um, not real. I'd be Nicolas Cage in uh, Gone in sixty seconds because I just think that'd be really cool to I, like drive cars really fast and steal yeah, them. Okay, that's terrible. <laughs> you need to repent. Oh my, we just did an so, episode on that. I mean, I kind of forget Gone in sixty seconds. Did yeah. he do it for a good reason, or did he just do it to look cool? I never saw it. I think he did it for a good reason. I <laughs> okay. Over he did it Robin to save Hood. America. That's the Robin theme Hood. of all of his movies. Robin Hood. He's going to save, save America. America. <laughs> He's the most patriotic of all of us. Oh my gosh! Yes, Nick Cage. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for today, you guys. Um, we want to do another video. We just. We released our feminine, we're rewriting a feminist baby video last mm-hmm. week. And we did a QA before that. And if you want the exclusive Patreon content, you got to go to patreon.com slash shelogens. For six bucks a month, you can keep us going and where you can have that, the content that's for you only as a thank you. Right. And um, yeah, man, I don't know. That's it. That's it. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Whenever you pretend, remember anyone can dream. And nothing's bad as it may seem. The little things you haven't got could be a lot if you pretend. One you can call